Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Afternoon, Daniel Garb here with you on SEN 1170. Afternoons, filling in for Jimmy Smith until Thursday. He's moved to breakfast. I love the debut show yesterday. Pumped to go again today. All thanks to SBS Fence Hire, sbsfence.com.au. The best temporary fence and portable toilet hire in Sydney. Plenty coming up on the show today. We're going to take a close look at the Test Cricket Summer and get the latest on the Jerome Luai situation from Jaleesa Apps from Channel 7 shortly. Also, news just through... A bit of a scare for Jack Whiten at South Sydney. We'll get the latest on that and keep you updated on that situation. A training ground scare for the South Sydney big name recruit. Uh, we'll be across it to make sure you are updated. But uh, a little bit concerning for Abidos fans at the moment. I want to start today, though, by paying tribute to a sporting effort that may fly under the radar in some circles, but it shouldn't because it's a remarkably difficult one, and it certainly won't on SEN 1170 this afternoon. Sydney Siders, he's one of your own as well. Local boy Harrison Endicott. He has just won the gruelling, pressure-engulfing PGA Tour Q School. He lost his card, and now he's won it back. In a field of 150, if you don't mind, only five players get tour cards. Harrison Endicott, Australia's own, beat them all. Forget playing the majors. This is playing for your livelihood. And he eclipsed the field on 15 under to win by several shots and secure full playing rights for next year. Brilliant stuff. Jimmy Emanuel from Golf Australia will join us later this hour to talk about that. We're going to take stock of the NBA season to date as well with Joe Healy and Cam Luke, Australian basketball experts, and look at the number one draft pick, Victor Wembenyama. He is the epitome of a phenom, a freak of nature, and the most hype prospect since LeBron James without any question. His debut season has been very good, but not great. That mark of greatness seems an inevitability. For now, though, he's averaging 19 points and 11 rebounds in a San Antonio Spurs side that he's rebuilding. There is little doubt he will live up to the billing. Personally, I think he'll be the biggest sporting star on the planet before too long. A seven foot four freak who can shoot from anywhere. But it got me thinking, who are the most hyped up sports stars of all time who either did... Or didn't live up to the billing? That's our talkback subject today. Get on the text line 0457 736 736 or the open line 1300 01 1170. I'm not after negative stuff necessarily. There's an inclination to go that way. There may have been some that were pumped up in a massive way that delivered. That gave you the ultimate thrill because you watched them deal with the pressure in a superb way. There are a fair few rugby league nominations that we've got coming through already. This one from Carmelo. Carl Faliga, he was the next Sonny Bill. 
played just 14 minutes of first grade. Luke Brooks is the name that always comes to mind. He was the next Joey Johns, reportedly. Hasn't had a bad career, of course. Perhaps the move to uh, Manly for next season after spending 10 years at West can lead to a late career resurgence for Luke Brooks. Owen Craigie is the interesting one. So I spoke to Jimmy Smith this morning and he said that's one that always comes to mind. When he was pumped up, he didn't quite live up to the billing. An Australian schoolboy, three years in a row. He made it in year 10, the first to do so. Danny Badera said he is the most talented junior he'd ever seen in the game and didn't quite have the career that he was meant to. Some did, though. Brad Fittler was likened to Bob Fulton before he played an NRL game. What a career he had. In the sport of football, the likes of Mark Schwarzer, Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka were all meant to be phenoms as teenagers. And they got there without too much hassle. Brett Emerton was another one who was pumped up. He went to Leeds with Harry Kuehl. They wanted to sign both of them. They took Harry Kuehl because he had an English father. Brett Emerton didn't have the necessary requirements to get the work permits. He had to come back, played with Sydney Olympic in the NSL, then went to Feyenoord in Holland, won the UEFA Cup with them, and as we know, had a superb career in the Premier League and with the Socceroos. So he delivered. Others like Kasper Tafta, he was the next Harry Kuehl. Fell short, making a, a way of it off the field, though. He's the CEO of the Brisbane Raw, and they've started the season beautifully. Tommy Orr had an excellent career. He was also dubbed the next Harry Kill. He says that had an impact on him at times. What about the sport of cricket? Damian Martin and Matthew Hayden were pumped up to be the next big things. Had to wait a little while in that ultra-successful era of the early 90s to get their chance. Eventually did and delivered in spades. Pat Cummins and Mitch Johnson, weren't they pumped up? They were Dennis Lilly protégés. Pat Cummins had his injury concerns, but then we all know how special he is. And Mitch Johnson, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. But then there are others like Matt Renshaw, who was hyped up to be a guaranteed Australian opener of the future, who's looking like it might be a bit of a struggle to get there now, although time is on his side. Michael Klinger was an Australian under-19 captain. He was billed to be a guaranteed Australian captain of the future. Had a brilliant domestic career, but couldn't quite deliver on those expectations. And the name that always comes to mind in world cricketing circles is Matthew Sinclair, the Kiwi. Made 214 on debut for New Zealand against the Windies in 1999. Played 33 tests and only averaged 32.05. Sanjay Mandrake is another one that Indian fans love to mention. Maybe existed in the shadow of Sachin Tendulkar for too long. Played a lot of test cricket, but didn't quite become the great that Indian fans had hoped for. Plenty of nominations, no doubt, that you can bring forward. Dan Cullen's another one. Uh, an Aussie off-spinner who didn't quite deliver. He was part of that crew that struggled against, amid the spectre of Shane Warne after his retirement. Now, thankfully, Nathan Lyon has uh, put an end to that search. But get on the, uh, the text line, 0457 736 736 with your nominations or the open line, 1300 01 1170. The phenoms who delivered or didn't amid enormous expectations. Jaleesa Apt is on the line, though, Channel 7 reporter. Uh, Jaleesa, thanks so much for joining us on Afternoons. Hello. How are you? Are you enjoying your radio stint? I'm enjoying it. It's a bit of fun in the Arvos. Coach K is keeping me company here. The show's all sorted, and uh, there's a fair bit to talk about, but um, much easier when I've got you on the other end of the line, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's 
a hard slog doing it by yourself, <laughs> but um, I've been listening. You're doing it great. We're, um, we're giving it a crack. I was going to start with cricket, but we might have to start with rugby league because this Jack Whiten story is a little bit of a concern. So he's, he's left training, I've seen today, in the hands of trainers while running around preparing for the 2024 season for South Sydney. Any word on what the latest is there? Yeah, well, look, I have to admit, Daniel, I'm actually on holidays at the moment. <laughs> so I'm on holidays over Friday. So I haven't actually been running around wondering what's going on in the world of rugby league. But I did see that this popped up. This would be a real shame for South if that was um, the case, that it was uh, a you know serious injury. Jack Whiten hasn't been one who we've seen generally pick up a lot of injuries. had a little niggle here and there where he was at the... Canberra Raiders. Before I left, South were very protective of um, they've, you know, other clubs have been doing a bit of media leading up to Christmas. South, not at all. They've been um, wanting to just lay really low and um, maybe get let those new recruits like Jack settle in. Um, but yeah, like to, to read this, uh, really, um, really disappointing. I'm hoping it's not anything serious because even though I am a Raiders fan, I was actually happy to see that if Jack Whiten wants to bring a premiership, he had to move clubs. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen at the Raiders um, before he retires. So um, I'd be really disappointed to see this happen at South. Thing that South, South are my, I guess, not so sneaky for the premiership <laughs> next year. When you look at just their roster alone, they should be in the grand final he's not taking home the trophy. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he's all good. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon. We'll get onto South Sydney and just find out the latest. But the report from the Daily Telegraph says he sent a king-size scare through the South Sydney camp when he was carried from the training field on Tuesday with what was initially feared to be a serious injury. He was running when he collapsed to the ground with club officials afraid he had sustained a knee drama. Wary of placing too much weight and pressure on his leg, Whiten was helped from the field by South's medical staff. It's that time of the year when perhaps we take injuries a little bit too more seriously than they need be. Um, so we'll keep you updated. Hopefully it's nothing major for our South fans and Jack Whiten to worry about. But uh, if it is, we'll be across it for you this afternoon. The Jerome Luai story is a big one, though, uh, Jaleesa, and he wasn't at training again today. No, this is all, this 10 day period is all very bizarre. And I think there's a lot of confusion around it. So obviously uh, that with that news broke on the weekend that he had agreed to a deal with the West Tigers. The deal is not signed though. So what happens is you have that the 10 day period that came in earlier this year where you notify your current club that you're intending to leave. So that gives them time I mean, we know there's been um, offers going back and forth from the Panthers, from the Tigers, other clubs being talking to him, Dragons have been mentioned, Bulldogs have been mentioned. This is telling the telling the Panthers, okay, now I am very serious about leaving. This offer is here on the table. This is sort of the 10-day notice that, that you sort of give to say, uh, I'm pretty ready to, to leave. Now, that gives the Panthers 10 days to then come back with a offer and say no no we want to keep you which the Panthers just simply don't have the money so they've they've locked down a few stars recently obviously they've got Nathan Cleary there on a on a pretty sizable deal although his deal is nowhere near what he could have got at other 
uh, clubs and it does reduce as the years go on. They've signed Dylan Edwards recently. They just simply don't have the money to get to where the Tigers get to. And obviously the Tigers have always got to not pay a bit overs, but got to get to the maximum because mm. uh, the lucrative uh, club that the Panthers are or the other Panthers are, they, they're going to have to meet that with money. Now, I really think this is interesting to see how this plays out for mm. other clubs that we're interested. So obviously I mentioned I'm not at work at the moment, so I'm not having contact with any of these clubs. So this is purely just my opinion. Mm. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs are still in this race because the Bulldogs have been a club that was mentioned before but Cameron Serraldo has always been so respectful and he said it again when he was asked about Jerome Luai that he doesn't go for Panthers players until they're ready to leave the club mm. or until they were wanting to leave the club now this is a pretty clear indication that Jerome is ready to leave the club so I will have to wonder in this 10-day period is there anything going to play out with the Bulldogs they obviously have a huge amount of halves already they've signed Drew Hutchins and they're playing um, you know, plenty of halves there. They've got um, Burton that can play in the halves. They've got uh, Toby Sexton. They've got no shortage of halves. Jamin Salmon, he was obviously ex-Panthers. But I, I, if I was Jerome Luai, that would be the perfect club to link up with, with all those ex-Panthers there. I think if you want to prove your worth at being able to um, lead a club, that already has stars in it, I think that's the perfect option. So I'm really interested to see the Bulldogs re-emerge as a contender. They are the club that keeps getting mentioned as the potential swooper for Jerome Luai in this 10-day period. If Penrith failed to convince him to, to come back, which seems incredibly unlikely at the moment, of course. <laughs> um, money's the, the one question mark that keeps being brought up when it comes to the Bulldogs. Do they quite have... The cash is the halves issue that you mentioned, but do they quite have the money to match Wes? I've spoken to a couple of people and they've suggested that could be the issue. They definitely don't have the money mm. um, that the Tigers have. There's no doubt about that. They don't have, um, they, with the amount of talent that they've signed, I think it would be really hard to see that they could get to the same amount as the Tigers. However, the Panthers are really a lot further off the mark by all the reports. So the it may be that sweet spot in the middle where you're looking to stay or you're looking to lead a club to success and have the money because you can't blame Jerome. I mean, I find it really funny when people are quite critical of Jerome um, taking the money. Jerome is sort of, you know, he's looked after his family. He's uh, done it tough. It's I, I absolutely do not blame Jerome for taking the money, but... Mm. You've got to be happy as well. I'm not saying he couldn't do that at the Tigers uh, and couldn't lead a successful side at the Tigers. But I just think that linking up with all those ex-Panthers players, maybe there's a sweet spot in the middle where you get to a decent amount of money, but you can also see some success building around it. An interesting one to watch. And uh, hopefully we get some clarification sooner rather than later on that. Let's talk some cricket, Jalisa, because I know you're all over that, of course, building up to the Boxing Day Test match. We spoke about this with Barat Sundarasan yesterday, but I'm fascinated by the Cam Green situation and how the Australian selectors manage, speak about players that have been hyped up. That's our talkback subject today. Cam Green's been hyped up to be the next Keith Miller, if you like, and Australia's greatest all-rounder since Keith Miller. I think he'll eventually deliver on that, but at the moment he can't get into the team, and justifiably so, of course, because of what Mitchell Marsh is producing but I reckon the selectors are desperate to get him back in there 
Is it as the opener replacement for David Warner? Is that the way to get Cam Green back in? Or do you think you might have to wait a little bit longer than that? Um, I think you should wait a little bit longer than that because I think if you go into that opening position and it's not the right position, um, that that could be a really detrimental to his career mm. going forward. I I haven't quite seen, um, I haven't quite understood maybe the hype of Cam Green. I don't. I, it's hard because I, you know, obviously he's he's a good player, but I haven't quite understood the desperation to get him into the team unless you're needed. And right now he isn't needed. So it's not that he's not going to be a great uh, player in the future. Sometimes I think what happens with all of us is we get a little bit desperate for that all rounder that maybe we've been seeking for a few years. So Watson was probably, I'd say our last genuine all rounder where, um, uh, you know, like week in and week out, or year in and year out, you were he, he was in the team and and performing. And um, I think we all maybe have been looking for that all rounder for a while. But we also all kind of said that back when Nathan Lyon was coming through, and we were looking for that spinner that was going to be the next warning. And then eventually, like, look at what Nathan Lyon's gone to do. So I kind of tend to agree with you, Daniel, that he will get there. I don't think there's a reason to rush him in unless he is needed. And I don't think the opening spot is um, is where it's going to be the best thing for him at the moment. Yeah. But also we have other openers. Like we've got plenty of, I mean, Bancroft, Renshaw. Yep. We still have other openers that I think are ahead of him. That's the interesting point. I mean, there's Renshaw and Harris, but Bancroft looks like the man who deserves that opportunity. I mean, people will always speculate that the sandpaper gate situation might hold him back. That seems terribly unfair. He's, we're a long way past that and his stats stack up in terms of runs. I mean, on the weight of runs scored, he should be in the squad really, if not in the 11. Yeah, he should. Without a doubt. The Cam Green situation is so interesting. I mean, is he a a natural opener? Well, probably not, but he does have a technique that suits the top of the order and he's played up there for WA and scored a mountain of runs. He's also produced a test level with the bat. He's made a test century, uh, of course, away in Pakistan. He, also has taken wickets against the likes of England and India. So he's he's shown it in, in patches. He hasn't quite put it all together. That should happen at some stage, but he obviously needs to be in the team. So it's such an interesting one to watch. On the series on the whole, um, how concerned are you, Jalisa, that it's going to really peter out? I mean, after day two, Pakistan looks solid. It looked like, all right, Australia should win this, but they might just give us the challenge that, neutral cricket fans all want to see, even the most ardent Australian cricket fans who are desperate for wins, want to see a contest over five days with the Windies to come after this three test series. How concerned are you for the Australian test summer? Very concerned depending on the pitches. I think that that's the hardest thing for um, Pakistan is that, um, you know, they did look like, but then as soon as the pitch started to do a little bit, as it sort of broke up those part, those last few days, they just weren't up to it. And so, um, yeah, I think there's no doubt like that um, Australia, um, you know, they're, they're the dominant force and it would have to, it would take a bit for to topple them in any of the test matches. Um, I, I mean, interestingly, the viewership, people were still tuned in. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of <laughs> a lot of talk about this test summer not being um, as interesting. Obviously, I work for the broadcaster, so you can completely dismiss any opinion that I have. But people were were, were still tuned in, so yeah. 
Uh, I yeah, I, I hope the Pakistan. I get a little bit more worried about the West Indies if I'm honest. I agree with you there. I, I thought I think Pakistan have a bit of depth. The West Indies, I'm I'm very concerned about. And we've also got a couple of big news lines to hook the next two Test matches on. I mean, Boxing Day yeah. holds its own, and then David Warner's farewell. I mean, that's going to be must-watch television, and regardless of how the game is is going, right? Why does he have to leave? <laughs> like I know he, he might not. I know he said that he, but Would a U turn surprise you? A U turn wouldn't shock me. No, a U turn wouldn't shock me either. And I just think, like, why? Why? There's no obvious replacement, David. Can't you just stick around? What have you got to do? Come on. He might do. He might just give the ultimate shush, like he did when he brought up three figures to the critics and say, "I'm not going anywhere." Or the <laughs> the Leo DiCaprio uh, Wolf of Wall Street signal to everyone. I'm not leaving. Um, I loved it. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Uh, Jaleesa, thanks so much for your insights. Really enjoyed it. And uh, have a great Christmas and enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thanks, Daniel. I look forward to listening. Jaleesa Apps there from Channel 7. An update on the Jack Whiten situation. South officials are confident he'll be back running in the new year. So it doesn't seem too serious. Uh, but we'll keep you updated if uh, anything of that nature uh, changes. SEN Afternoons. Daniel Garpia with you. Plenty more after the break.